0: All things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Discussion. Powered by Overtime, Overtime Media. What is up, Who Nation? Welcome into another training camp edition here at the Who Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter. Andrew Galata, and then also you can follow the Who Dat Discussion on Twitter at The Who Dis. This training camp episode is going to be a special one as I'm joined by Brendan Boylan, writer at Saints News Network and also broadcaster for ESPN on the Big South Sports Conference. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm great,
1: man. Excited for training camp. It took a long time to get here, it felt like, with everything else going on, but uh we're right around right around the corner
0: yeah it's honestly it's been definitely a whirlwind of an offseason so I'm happy that the uh, the season's getting underway and I think we should just jump right into some news here as the Saints made their cuts to go down to 80 guys so really just about a week ago or two weeks ago the NFL said we're going to do 80 men Training camps once everything starts going, not 90 men, and the Saints cut down to 80 here. So, here are the 10 players they did cut, and then I think we're just going to get into talking about it. So, they cut defensive end Gus Cumberlander, wide receiver Kishron Hogan, <coughs> safety Chris Johnson, wide receiver Tommy Lee Lewis, guard Adrian McGee, running back Toquan Mizell, cornerback Dietrich Nichols, fullback Ricky Ortiz wide receiver Maurice Harris and defensive tackle Taylor Stalworth. So, Brendan, definitely want to get into this. Is there any players that you would have kept that were cut or would you want to kind of cut that were kept at that makes Man, sense. Man, let's
1: let's start here is you want to talk about one of the absolute worst seasons to be an undrafted free agent trying mm-hmm. to make a roster. Uh, you know, obviously with the decision to go from 90 to 80 uh, was a big part of the negotiations of doing away with the preseason, hmm. and I totally understand that decision. But as I said, I really feel for some small school kids trying to make the team. I feel for some guys who uh, maybe have the size that the NFL wants but didn't get the reps or didn't get the playing time that maybe they needed in college or even even guys that are trying to come back to the NFL. Um, so when you ask that question, uh, maybe a player I wanted to keep, I really was intrigued by Dietrich Nichols, who we actually had on the Saints News Network on SI.com shortly after he signed with the Saints. Uh, you look, had played in the NFL before with Arizona, mostly as a special teamer, but, uh, excelled in the XFL, even though that was a very short experiment Mm -hmm. uh, for the year, but knock on wood with Dwayne, the rock Johnson buying it. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe we have a comeback with the XFL Mm -hmm. that I would love to see. But Nichols had 24 tackles, a sack, six passes, defense, and three interceptions uh, with the Houston roughnecks of the XFL. He led the league in interceptions. And I felt, especially at defensive back, at the cornerback spot for New Orleans, it was a position where, yeah, you you got some veterans. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't really thrilled with maybe P.J. Williams playing Mm -hmm. the slot. Or Patrick Robinson playing the slot. But you know, a position where you can you could use a little bit of depth and, and maybe have a guy who comes in, chip on his shoulder, wants to prove he still belongs in the league, and give him a shot. So I think out of all of that, that's the one that surprised me the most. Um it's hard to say with 80 guys, like, oh man, I really wish they would have <laughs> let go of somebody else. But I think with with Nichols, it was a guy I was hoping would get a shot. Um, I love stories like that, man, guys who work their way back to the league or succeed at another level, whether that's the XFL, uh, the CFL especially has produced some good talent in the NFL over the years as well. Uh, So I was hoping he'd get a shot. Um, But we'll see what happens with him and his journey. And it's also tough, man. It's not just the Saints roster, but across the board. You have to think if 10 guys got cut from every team in the league, over 300 guys lost their opportunity to fight for an NFL spot. And they don't have any preseason tape this year, uh, so it's a lot of word of mouth. And a lot of these guys aren't going to get that opportunity uh, to showcase what they can do at all this season. And there's not really another league to go to right now, so that can be really tough. So I really feel for some of these guys, but I would have loved to see Nichols play. He was really excited to join the Saints uh, back in March when he signed. So that that's probably
0: the one guy. I completely agree with you about just UDFAs <coughs> and just not getting a chance this year. It is something like, look, you have over 300 players now cut across the league. A lot of them don't have a lot of tape. I, I think the Saints, they kind of, to me, were smart by keeping some of their undrafted free agents because you, you at least want to take a look at them. A lot of these guys, the Saints have already seen, they already kind of know what they're about. And let's just say these UDFAs just aren't what they're made out to be, you could always then add one of these guys back and cut them. So I thought that was kind of an interesting move that I think we'll get into later. But to me, the player I would have kept that they didn't keep is wide receiver Maurice Harris. I feel like he's a guy that's just a veteran player, can come up in here. Obviously, he'd be a depth player. He wouldn't be a player that got a ton of snaps. I mean, if you're being cut between 80 and 90 guys, he probably wouldn't even make the team. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't but he was a guy with the Redskins definitely was pretty productive. He was a guy that had over uh, 25 catches and 300 yards with the Redskins and only like eight games or something like that, only really with the short season for him. He was a guy, is a good blocker, could play on the outside, Can play in the slot, definitely does a lot of different things. I think he's a guy, if the Saints still feel that they need a guy at wide receiver, they may pick up later because look, Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, they already seen tape on him. He's played not only preseason, but also NFL games, regular season games. So to me, he would be a guy that they would keep. And a guy that I wish they cut instead, I don't want to say wish cut instead, but a guy I probably would have cut instead is Blake Gilligan, the punter, the second punter with Thomas Morstead. And I'm just surprised that he made the team because, I mean, I think we can all agree that Thomas Morstead's going to come up here and win this job so why waste a roster spot with another punter? To me, I just found that really interesting.
1: Yeah, but but going back to the receiver spot, you know they did sign Beanie Fowler mm-hmm. uh, the other day, yeah. who spent time uh, with a couple different NFL franchises, is a Super Bowl champion. You talked about some of those undrafted free agents and maybe two to really watch for uh, if you're a Saints fan is Jawan Johnson, the receiver out of Oregon. Big, big guy. Mm -hmm. At 6'4", 231, there was potential talk about him maybe adding some weight and moving to the tight end spot. I don't see that happening, but he's a huge target on the outside. And then um, Marquez Calloway, uh, the Mm -hmm. receiver out of Tennessee, uh, got a lot of guys locally here in New Orleans. uh, Loved the pickup, thought he could have easily been a later-round pick. Uh, 6'2, 204, uh, scored 13 touchdowns over his last three years at Tennessee. Uh, but you got to remember, Tennessee really hasn't had a, a quality quarterback over the last few years. So Callaway had to make do, but he's a guy that has great leaping ability, um, but he has to be able to expand his route tree, but without having the pressure of having to come in and be an impact player. I could
0: definitely see him being a guy for the Saints
1: uh, down the road.
0: One thing about Callaway, he's got <clears throat> speed. He could run the deep ball. And what do the Saints need right now? A guy to run the deep ball. So maybe he can come up in here, play a role for the team. And to me, again, I like that the Saints are kind of looking at the UDFAs, You're looking at they cut a few more veterans, not to say they're veterans, but players that have at least played for the team, like Maurice Harris has played in the NFL, Taylor Stallworth was on the Saints for a few years Ricky Ortiz had some times last year we all know about Tommy Lee Lewis being on the Saints Krishan Hogan was on the team last year like Brendan what do you feel about the Saints kind of cutting more veteran type players instead of those UDFAs that are probably more unproven but also the Saints haven't taken a look at them yet
1: well I think with the guys that you just said who have at least spent time with the team you know what you're gonna get Mm -hmm. um yeah, you can make the argument, well, you have more tape on them. They're more familiar with the playbook. They know what's going on. But with that, you also know what you're going to get. And you know what you're going to get out of some of these receivers that they cut. You really don't need a second fullback uh, mm-hmm. right now. You have uh, Burton, who you had signed in March. Yeah. So I like the idea. You know What is Sean Payton's bread and butter over the years? Finding mm-hmm. undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. And you can talk of two that come to mind. Uh, Right out the gate is Lance Moore, Pierre Thomas, both undrafted guys who ended up playing key roles, not only on that Super Bowl team, but for years down the road. I actually looked at it the other day. Uh, I didn't realize Lance Moore is uh, third on the list of guys for receiving touchdowns in a career of Drew Brees. So it goes Mm -hmm. Marcus Colston, Jimmy Graham, Lance Moore. And you have to go, man, Lance Moore was an undrafted free agent, a smaller receiver who caught 34 touchdowns during his time with the Saints. That's that's a lot of production. And then with Pierre Thomas being top five all-time in rushing yards as well for the Saints, uh, those are two guys that come to mind. But Sean Payton's always done a good job of finding undrafted free agents, utilizing their skill sets, and making sure they find a way onto this team. So like I said, I, I pointed out the receiver's, Uh, There's a lineman from Oregon um, as well that is Mm -hmm. is an interior guy. Yeah, that that could also uh, make a big difference as a reserve guy, a linebacker from Michigan State. So I think looking at some of these guys, and even corners like Keith Washington this Mm -hmm. season from uh, West Virginia, when you look at guys like that, uh, you have to give them a little bit of a bigger look, and like you said, with over 300 guys getting cut and really for nowhere for them to go, uh, if for whatever reason you do want to bring one of these guys back or maybe a guy you have tape on uh, from another team that's been let go, you do have the ability to bring them back, and you're going to have practice squad as well, so yeah. at least this way you're getting a deeper look at some guys you don't really know a whole lot about but that have promise.
0: To me, it's just really smart, especially you were saying about Sean Payton's ability to pluck guys from the undrafted free agent pool and make them into contributors. Obviously, you said Pierre Thomas, Lance Moore, but even recently, guys like Shai Tuttle, Deontay Harris, they're guys that have really made an impact on this team, had some really nice highlight plays last year, and hopefully they'll continue on their progression. So you're hoping you can find a few guys more like that, and it is going to be just something to watch out for. I'd rather see the undrafted free agents because, again, as you said, you know what you're going to get. Like, to me, I don't want to watch Tommy Lee Lewis anymore. I'm done with him. (laughs) I've seen enough of him. Guys, also like Krishan Hogan, like we already know what he is. Good blocker, not really a good receiver. Maurice Harris, I said I'd like to keep a look at him. But again, if that means getting one of these undrafted free agents just to see what they got, and then you could pick up Harris maybe later, maybe that's something you do. So again, it is very, very interesting. Same with Taylor Stallworth. We kind of know what he's about. So again, Sean Payton probably being smart here, probably being ahead of the game, knowing what's up. And hopefully you didn't cut an undrafted free agent that maybe excels later. And right now they're in your 80-man pool. So obviously that would be really, really good there. So I think that we talked about cutting the roster. I think it's time to go into some COVID-19 related stuff. NFL did set their opt-out date for this Thursday, and then also the Saints obviously made some news with some, just to me, a very interesting idea that they're now going to have kind of their own bubble. They're going to basically rent out four floors of a hotel, and then basically quarantine it, make sure that that's a place where Saints players can go after practice, stuff like that. They plan on having their players there, coaching staff, all that stuff. So Brendan, what do you think of this idea about the Saints making the bubble? Good idea, bad idea? Do you think more teams should do it? I think it's the
1: the smartest
0: idea—I
1: uh, don't want to say that Sean Payton's had lately, but it's probably the smartest idea that he's had this offseason uh, in terms of player safety. And I say that strictly because you look at what the NBA's been able to do with the bubble. Um, no positive tests over the last, I think, two weeks, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go overseas as well, the Chinese Basketball Association has done the same thing with no positive tests. And they're in their playoffs. the NHL um, has no positive tests as well, but you look at a you look at like Major League Baseball mm-hmm. who is not in a bubble, and they're really struggling, right? Really struggling. You had the whole Marlins fiasco with yep. what seventeen guys between players and staff testing positive. You're having games canceled left and right. If I'm not mistaken, there was another series that was canceled yesterday. So you look at all that and go. Okay. How can we make sure that our guys are not going out, staying safe? You know, there was a memo sent uh, from the M- NFLPA to its agents saying, uh, you know, here's a list of things that we see as uh, high risk conduct, and if your guys participate uh, in any of this and get put on IR for COVID, they could potentially face not being paid. You know, the NFL is trying to take as many precautions as possible, but for a team to go, okay, the NFL's got precautions, we have some agreements with the NFL PA and the NFL, but let's take it a step further to try to protect our players. I really like the idea, uh, and I think that also just so shows what the Saints, I think everybody, uh, from fans to analysts to team, the team itself, you know, Teron Armstead said the other day, it is Super Bowl or bust. And then Drew Brees came out and said the same thing in his media call uh, on Saturday. It's true. And showing that the Saints are willing to, quote unquote, bubble shows that this whole team's locked in top to bottom. And, you know, this is a job, this is a mission this year uh, to go out and, and win a Super Bowl. So the more that you can kind of put all the noise, we say it every year, the, the more you can kind of silence the noise the better. But especially this year, because you don't just have the noise of you know, the critics, the analysts, you don't have the noise of fans. You have the noise of all the crazy things that are happening in today's world. So the more that you're able to kind of silence that, come together as a team, the better off you're going to be. Uh, so while, while the league is playing checkers, it looks like Sean Payton's mm-hmm. playing chess.
0: That's really big. I love this idea. I hope more teams do it. And look, the only way that the NFL is going to succeed this year, and I think it's the same across all sports, you got to be able for every team to create a bubble so you can ensure that at least between that their team facility and hotel or wherever they're staying, it's good, everything's sterile, everything's cleansed properly. And that's what you really have to do here. And that's really hard to do it for 32 teams. I think we can all agree with that. But if you're able to have kind of, like a sequestered team in the hotel that really helps kind of create your own bubble. Now, again, you saw that Nick Bosa said yesterday, he said the team that's most prepared to kind of deal with the virus and everything about that, that can stay together, that can stay healthy, that kind of has the leech hitches there, they're gonna go win the Super Bowl. Which makes a ton of sense. Like if you can really just stay together and you can stay healthy and you really don't have any distractions with COVID-19 you're probably going to be good for the season, especially if you're like the Saints, have a ton of talent. So to me, that is just really big. And again, as you said, Sean Payton's playing chess here, and he's doing everything he can. And to me, I think that the MLB, they're leaving up to teams. At least the NFL is leaving it up to the league. They have a lot more protocols in place. They're going to be able to find players that kind of do things that have risky behaviors, like go to bars, go to clubs, stuff like that. So that's obviously really big. So, to me, I do like that. Also, the NFL set their deadline, as I said, for Thursday. But, Brendan, what do you think about players opting out? And do you think that the NFL, because there's like a good amount of players that opted out, do you think the NFL is doing enough as a league or do you think that they should create a bubble, stuff like that? It's going to be really tough to create a bubble for
1: football. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um,
1: basketball is a little easier. Uh, I think they have six practice courts down in Miami, a couple different game courts. Uh, so, that way you're able to play. 12 noon to, you know, last tip off Mm -hmm. being at 9 or 10 at night, you're able to get all your games in. Uh, But for 32 teams, and and especially football, the contact sports, and making sure everything's cleansed, it's going to be tough, right? So I think they're doing all that they can when it comes to the opt-out situation. um, Props to the NFL for allowing guys to be able to do that and give them some clarity. Before we got on the show, we talked about uh, the Canadian Football League really not giving any clarity to its players Mm -hmm. about what's going on this year. Uh, so props to the NFL for making it clear that we are going to play. And if you do not feel comfortable, we are giving you the option to opt out of the season. And you know who, you know who's winning winning out of all the players right now because of this and being able to opt out? Is but guys that are signed to teams that were bubble players on making mm-hmm. the final 53. Mm-hmm. Because they're able to sit here and go, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to make the 53-man roster, but I can opt out for the season have all fall, all winter to work out privately and still collect a paycheck. Those guys are winning. Uh, Those guys are doing it right. Obviously, I know, you know, competition, everybody wants to play. But if you have any concern at all, at least you're able to go back home, work out privately, get yourself in shape, collect some game checks, and be able to go next year. So I think the NFL is doing the very best they can in these situations with everything going on. And, um... We'll, we'll have to see how it how it plays out. It, it's hard. It is hard. Uh, football at any level, professionally, college, semi-pro, it's hard to say we're going to have a full year start to finish without any problems. We know there's going to be problems. We know there's going to be positive tests. We know there's going to be games that are going to be postponed or suspended. Sean Payton talked about that last week. But how can we ensure that our players, our fans, our staffs, are as safe as possible. So, the, like you said, the more teams that can go to this bubble idea for camp and for the regular season, the better. But here's the difficult thing: is you got to get 53 guys plus your practice squad plus your staffs to buy in and go. You know what? It's about football. Now you're not going to be able to go see your families like you want to, but for for this stretch of time, this is the goal. This is the mission. And the more, like you know, the more that you have guys be able to buy in, that's the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. But Between that and bringing back an experienced team that has a lot of the same core from last year, those teams are going to find themselves successful. So the Saints already having that on top of bubbling up, on top of having maybe this mindset uh, that's a little different from other teams, that let's go ahead and be unified, let's go ahead and get some of this stuff knocked out now, I think sets them up uh, for a really bright 2020.
0: I think the Saints will be fine with kind of combating COVID because as you said, like, if you can get everyone to buy in, now to me, can you get every all 32 teams to buy in, especially if you're a team that isn't so good, like, you're probably going to be at the bottom of the league anyways, like a team like the Jets, their team that just lost Jamal Adams, just lost CJ Mosley to opting out, like, you're going to get those guys to buy in, with doing everything that they have to do to obviously play football, do all that stuff, because they're a team that may not win the Super Bowl. There are obviously a ton of other teams like that as well. Like, do do you think that it's possible to have all thirty-two teams buy into like that type of mindset? And if they don't, do you feel like the NFL has done enough to kind of keep everyone at bay? And even if there are suspended games, kinda games that are postponed, do you think the NFL can still get through a season? I do. I do. I, I don't know if you're gonna have I don't want to say every team
1: buy-in because if you say team, that means all 53 plus staff plus code, everything. I don't think you can get every single guy that is going to play or take part into the 2020 season to buy in. That's asking a lot of dudes to buy into a system. That's asking a lot of dudes to do a lot of different things. So I wouldn't go that far in saying that, but I think you can have a protocol across the NFL that's enough. Yeah. Um, like you said, even with suspended games – enough to get through a 16-game season and in the playoffs. And and once you get to the playoffs, it's going to be so much easier because you have less teams, less people. Um, Fans is still an issue. You know, Las Vegas came out yesterday and said they're not going to have any fans at all this year, which is insane to me, uh, not because of COVID, but it's insane to think about your inaugural season in a new city being Mm -hmm. played with no fans, Mm -hmm. Um, especially coming from – and living in different cities where I've been fortunate enough to see a team be quote-unquote birthed into a city and seeing the excitement from the people around, yeah. I, I could not imagine living in Las Vegas, being so excited for this team to come and then realize that you can't take part in their first season. Uh, that's really tough for the fans. But, you know, uh, Mark Davis said it months ago that he didn't feel the NFL was going to have any fans this year. So that's still up in the air. But I think in terms of bubbling players, being able to get players safe, going through protocol, the COVID tests, um, you know, they have a great system with injured reserves um, with the COVID designation. I think they're doing the very best they can with a really difficult situation because, man, with a contact sport like that, with, your, with the amount of travel and the amount of guys you have on a roster, it's going to be tough. But if you can manage it and you can do what you're doing right now um, to prevent any large outbreaks, I think they're going to be okay for a 16-game season.
0: Yeah, to me, that's the key. It's just to do enough to keep the season going. Look, you probably don't need all the guys to buy in. As you said, you just need basically enough. You need those protocols to be just as good to me to get through the season. And I I do think it will be enough. Now, you probably will see suspended games and stuff like that. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because to me... The big thing is why the the MLB has had some issues, a lot of cancellations, stuff like that, is they don't really have good contact tracing. Like, we've been over a week now since the Marlins outbreak, and we still don't know what caused it. Like, to me, that's a big issue. If the NFL can shore that up, make sure everything's okay, you have great testing protocols in place, good contact uh, protocols in place, then to me, you will be able to have a season, even if, let's say, one or two guys ends up contracting the virus. you probably still will be able to play if you can figure out which guys to quarantine and which guys that can go to play, if you can do that in a timely matter, the NFL is going to have a season, no problem. And I think they'll put those systems in place. They obviously make enough money. They can definitely do it financially. To me, it's just got to be kind of all systems go, all hands on deck on the league's front, not even team front, league front. And if they can put all this stuff in place, I think it will be systems go. One thing that I do want to pose is like, if you have suspended games, Like, I think what would be a really good idea is, let's say, like 10 teams that missed a game during the season. Maybe you just have a block before the playoffs, have them play it if it's important, and then you can move on from there. Like football, I think the one thing that they have is I don't think anyone would mind them just kind of leaving a gap week between the regular season and postseason to kind of put some games in. I just want your thoughts on like something like that to get all 16 games in or um, if you have any other ideas.
1: I think having multiple bye weeks might be helpful yeah right so if, mm-hmm. if everybody's got their bye week and you said you get an extra block or you get an extra two blocks just in case yeah. uh that would be really helpful that would prolong the season that would back the playoffs up yeah uh, but if that's what's it's going to take to get through 16 games uh the one thing i'll say is what you said about you know if you put that block at the end of the year and well, if it's not important you, you do have to kind of play all 16 games for the sake of statistics and i know a lot of people sure. don't like to hear that but you know, if you're on MVP voting and it's a tight race, and a guy doesn't win MVP because he only played 15 games, and the other guy played 16, then that, thats a whole mess in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and then you know also incentives. You know, we don't talk about that enough. There's a lot of these guys that have incentives in their contracts. Like, oh, if you score, if you score this many touchdowns, and the guy guy would then argue that and say, like, well, I didn't have I didn't have week 17, I didn't right? wow. have week whatever to, to get that last touchdown. So I I think you do have to play all 16, but I think multiple buys would be helpful. I don't see the NFL doing that, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing.
1: Uh, Unfortunately, because it's going to cost them more money. So I don't see the NFL doing that. I think college football, and and this was really interesting. Mike Minter, who played for the Carolina Panthers, is now the head coach of the Campbell Fighting Camels in the Big South Conference, posed the idea when asked... um, How he felt about the NFL is he still involved with the NFLPA and so on and so forth. He proposed, well, why not college football play every other week? Hmm. And he said because then if somebody is positive, you have a week in between games, almost two weeks, right, to kind of contain it, trace it, and figure it out. And I thought that could work in college football because there's no rush. Exactly. You know, you're even having guys that are like moving their seasons into the spring. So there's no rush. I could see that work in college football where you have multiple bye weeks set because of COVID and just in case. But the NFL I don't see them doing
0: that, no. I don't see them doing it either just because I don't think the players will want to prolong the season and again, I don't know if the league would want to do that as well, but like I wouldn't mind the league going into February, let's say let's say it's Presidents Day, let's say that was the kind of final Super Bowl week maybe that was a Sunday and then everyone is pressing say off on Monday like that would be kind of cool I feel and to me that wouldn't like ruin anything because football is relatively a short season compared to uh, let's say the NBA or the MLB which is kind of five six months of the year MLB is pretty sh- or NFL excuse me it's pretty short so again I could definitely see that kind of being possible but again I don't know if the NFL will agree to that and to me that's kind of the big question here but to me I think it's going to be all 16 games I think it will start on time Ending on time, I think will be a little more of a um, problem or issue. I think they probably, if I had to put a bet on it, I'd probably say that they play all 16 games on time because the NFL is going to want to do it. And when the NFL wants to do something, they're going to get it done because they got the money, they got the entity, they got all that stuff. It's professional, all that. So if I had a bet, I'd say they played 16 games full season and probably ended with the Super Bowl being played in that first weekend in February. So that's obviously great stuff there. And before we get into some Saints talk, kind of move it back to the Saints with some training camp talk, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion podcast. Welcome back into the Who Dat Discussion. I'm with Brendan Boylan, a writer at Saints News Network on SI.com and announcer on the Big South Sports Network on ESPN. And now we're going to get into some training camp talk here with the Saints And Brendan, I want to ask you, we're going to do two things you're excited for to see from the Saints in training camp and one thing you're worried about with the team going into training camp. So I think we should start off on a positive note. What's one thing that you're excited to see from the Saints team here in training camp?
1: Uh, I'll start with this. When is the last time for the New Orleans Saints where we've been really excited about a QB battle, (laughs) right? Drew's been here for 15 years. We haven't had... Uh, time to really get excited about the backup quarterback or who might be the next heir apparent and and so on and so forth. Uh, If you guys really want to make an argument, you can say Garrett Grayson, but you guys saw how that played (laughs) out. Um, But we really haven't had that kind of excitement. So having Jameis Winston, a former number one overall pick a Heisman trophy winner uh, and Taysom Hill, who Sean Payton just keeps raving about is the next guy being able to battle it out for the backup quarterback spot. and, And, Uh, What they do in camp this year could definitely affect how the Saints view them both going into next season. Uh, And and with Taysom Hill being on a two-year contract and Jameis Winston being on a one-year contract, you could kind of get a feel for which direction you want to go. Is Taysom the guy? Is he not the guy? Is Jameis the guy? Is Jameis not the guy? So I'm really excited to see how that's going to pan out. Uh, I know a lot of of writers (laughs) and analysts are excited too because I think Jameis Winston gives you something a little different, gives you something, I don't want to say that's Drew Brees molded, but it's a little closer to an in-pocket yeah. passer, a guy with a strong arm uh, towards Taysom Hill, is something completely different. So you get to kind of see the the yin and the yang go at it a little bit uh, for the backup quarterback spot and see what direction the Saints really want to go uh, life post-Drew Brees. So, man, I'm really excited for that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and that was actually one of my, Uh, things I'm excited for too. I just want to see, like I hope the Saints do like a live stream once they kind of practice with pads. Like I want to see these guys go. I want to see Taysom Hill running over guys again. I want to see James Winston throwing some bombs. And to me, that's something that I think the Saints are definitely going to do a ton here in training camp. They're definitely going to want to see, well, let's get some eyes on these guys. Let's see what they're going to be able to do. And I'm definitely excited to see what Sean Payton thinks of these guys. And hopefully by the start, of this season maybe we can get a better idea of who's the heir apparent so to me that's something that's really really important to see and I'm excited to see these two guys throw to me I think Jameis Winston is definitely more of a traditional quarterback like Drew Brees and obviously in pocket thrower as you said Taysom Hill completely different that wild card type player but what I'm really excited to see especially with these quarterbacks is Taysom Hill to see what he did in the pocket is he a better thrower in the pocket is he more patient Is he a guy that's going to wait until he's going to go out and run and make plays? And I want to see him definitely see if he got that discipline more, if he can throw in the pocket, got more accurate. That's something that I'm really, really excited to see. And before we get into our second excited thing to see, what's one thing you're worried about with the team? I think we'll just go like one and one and one to kind of break it up here. So what's one thing that you're worried about, Brendan, about the Saints team going into training camp, if any.
1: Man, you look at the roster and there's not a whole lot to be concerned about, right? This is, the most talented Saints roster that they've ever had uh, you, you can even say past the Sean Payton era this is the most talented roster top to bottom the New Orleans yep. Saints have ever put together so I don't think there's a whole lot to be worried about but uh, something we talked to the very beginning uh, with players that maybe you wanted to keep I'm a little concerned about depth cornerback because it takes one injury right yeah and somebody else has got to step up and that's not saying that Patrick Robinson isn't capable of stepping up and playing and Uh, In the slot, we've seen P.J. Williams step up and and actually play pretty well, um, whether that be at safety or whether that be at corner at times. So I think the the depth there, obviously um, having Marcus Williams and, and Malcolm Jenkins and C.J. Gardner-Johnson who all play safety, you have a little bit of flexibility with Jenkins and Gardner-Johnson specifically, guys that can both play corner. Let's not forget Malcolm Jenkins entered the league as a corner and then made that transition to safety. So still very good in pass coverage if you need a guy to, to cover up a tight end or maybe a back out of the backfield. So You do have that flexibility with playing those guys at corner, uh, but that's not something you want to see, I don't want to say regularly, but you don't want to slot one of those guys as your starting slot corner. Um, So I I think the big thing for me is just depth at corner, uh, but that's something that can be addressed. Um, Like you said, you can bring guys back, and there's still some guys available that wouldn't be too bad you know Logan Ryan is still sitting yeah. out there and I know he might carry a, a larger cap hit than some of these other free agents but Logan Ryan was a big part of those Super Bowl winning teams up in New England so if you wanted to bring in a guy for that or an experience that maybe you bring on a one-year deal and like come help us win a Super Bowl and hit uh, free agency the next season I could definitely see that.
0: I think that this cornerback group it should be really good on paper look we've seen that these players definitely have had some success Just as a Saints fan during this Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, the one thing that's been always bad is that secondary, and you're kind of just expecting it to burn you again in a way. So to me, I think that could definitely happen. Not 100% sure. Like, I'm really hoping that this cornerback group is good, and I should be good. Like, I'm very excited about it. I'm confident going about it into 2020, but to me, that could be something that I'd be a little worried about. The one thing that I'm most worried about is the kind of defensive line edge-rushing depth that the Saints have. Because you have a few guys, when you look at your pass rushers, obviously you have Cam Jordan, he's great. We all know that. And he's just getting better and better each year. But beyond that, I'm just a little worried health-wise. Like Marcus Davenport, like we were talking about it before we started recording, he's a guy that's really, really great when healthy. And I think when healthy is a huge word. And you're hoping that he can have a full season. And you're hoping he can do all of the right things here. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hurt again. Or you see Sheldon Rankin, another guy that's really also good as a rusher, but again, you haven't seen it fully as well, to me, that's something that could be interesting, that's why you have Jadavion Clowney, that's why we've all been talking about him, that's why we have Everson Griffin, that's still out there, that's why everyone's talking about him, so to me, to rely on a few guys that are kind of injury prone, may be just a little naive, but again, you also have some guys behind him, like Trey Hendrickson, and also uh, Mario Edwards, and guys like that as well, but if I was going to say one thing, I'm kind of worried, not about the quality of play you're going to get at edge rusher. It's kind of the depth there. Well, let's
1: not forget too. you know, Noah Spence was a guy that the saints had brought in at the end of last season. And they were excited about what he could potentially do for them off the edge. And he, he was injured prior to, uh, even training camp beginning. He, uh, I believe he tore his ACL, uh, in an at-home workout. So that's just another guy off the edge that you lose. And, um, you know, same with the corners. I'm not concerned about the play. I'm concerned about the depth. You know, uh, Janoris Jenkins provides maybe the best number two corner we've seen in New Orleans for quite some time, uh, at least on paper. And so being able to have one of the better one-two punches at corners is great. But like I said, it just takes one injury and, and next man up mentality. But you look at the guys that are up next and, and PJ's had his problems. He's also had his health problems. And P-Rob has had his health problems, uh, at least since he re-signed with the Saints as well, hasn't had a full season yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But remember, both of them them shined at the end of the year against Tennessee um, in different spots. So uh, it's it's not a lack of confidence in their their abilities. It's a lack of confidence in what's behind some of those guys. And that's why I would have liked, as I said at the beginning, to maybe take a closer look at a guy like Dietrich Nichols.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one thing I want to say before we want to move on to our last thing that uh, we're excited for like, to us talking about we're only worried about depth, that just shows you how deep this Saints roster is and like on two positions only. Like, this Saints roster is really complete to me. As you said, it's the most complete roster in the Jewelry Champagne era, and it's definitely up there for me. Now, hopefully, that translates into a really big season here in 2020. But like, to me, that's why I'm so excited about the Saints team is that there are not a lot of holes. On this team but the last thing that i'm excited to see from the saints here is the linebacking depth and um, the saints just signed nigel bradham which to me i thought was a really nice move and they just have so much depth there i want to see who ends up winning that battle and ends up being the starter week one and you look at what the saints have been able to do they were a team like pre-demario davis pre-2017 here and they were just really bad their linebackers were usually slow and guys that didn't tackle well. And now a complete 180 turn that this group has done. You obviously have Demario Davis, who's an all pro player, really, really strong there. And then also, you're going to have your two right now is Alex Anzalone, who has some injury concerns. So that's why you have some great depth, but he's a guy, if healthy, he's all over the place. And then also, last year, you had Kiko Alonso, who's on the pup list right now, but you're hoping he could come back healthy. And then you add in Zach Bond, who you just drafted who's a guy that I think could rush the passer as well as play off ball, which is amazing. And then you finish it out with a veteran like Nigel Bradham, who can do a ton of different things, is good in coverage. Like To me, this is a complete group, and I just want to see, and I'm really excited to see, who the Saints pick to start out of that group.
1: Yeah, man, those linebackers, uh, there was a lot of worries early on about depth, health, and I'm not saying Bradham fixes everything, right? Mm. Because it doesn't. Yeah. But uh to know you're going to have anzalone back hopefully knock on wood you get all 16 games out of him because when he is in the game he's a difference maker. Uh, mm-hmm. he's one of the the better young linebackers in the game when healthy. Uh, and that's a little asterisk, right, when healthy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh Demario Davis I still think does not get all the credit that he's due. Agreed. Um very happy to see him on the NFL top 100 list, but I, I think he gets a little bit, he's a little disrespected because yeah, he is one of on the his. top three linebackers in football, if not the best you know, because he is an incredible run stopper. He was tied uh, with Luke keekley last year for the most passes defensed by a linebacker. So you also know he's good in coverage. Uh, as you said, Bradham uh, of sure tackler uh, pretty, yeah. pretty good in coverage. You get Anzalone, you get Zach Bond, you, you have Alonzo potentially coming back healthy. So, uh, you do have some depth. Let's not forget too. Craig Robertson, Craig though he's even though mm-hmm. he is more of a special teams leader, that guy did have a hundred plus tackles for the Saints multiple years as the starting linebacker. Um, so so they got a lot of they got a lot of depth there, and I'm excited for that. And you know we talked about a lot uh, at the Saints news network on SI amongst our writers about well, which guy do they bring in. And I know mm-hmm. Alec Ogletree got thrown around a lot as a guy the Saints could bring in, but uh, Bradham's just a perfect fit. And if the Saints still feel like they need to get another guy, there's enough guys in free agency that have NFL experience or even guys that have experience with the Saints that could also be a uh, very, vital to special teams Um, didn't have a great stint with the saints as a starting linebacker but stefan anthony is a guy that you could go get if you need some depth the guy who's a little bit more familiar with the playbook but that can also contribute on special teams so uh, the saints are really locked and loaded there Uh, for me last thing i'm just excited about for this team is it's gonna sound weird and i think you you can quote me on this i think it's going to be the most underrated signing of free agency is Ty Montgomery. Okay. I'm not saying across the league, but maybe the most underrated Saints Saints, Mm -hmm. um, free agent signing, because when is the last time the Saints have had multiple guys out of the backfield that are dynamic, can catch the ball, uh, can run the ball. You you saw when Alvin Kamara went down, you didn't have a guy Mm -hmm. to fill that role. And that really hurt. And I'm not saying we're we're going to say, oh, Kamara's going to get hurt or, oh, Kamara can't stay healthy. But just to have another guy in the backfield that can fit in the slot can be in the backfield, can run different sets. Um, you know, the Saints, they don't do it as much as they used to. But to run a 22 formation or 22 set out of the mm-hmm. shotgun, and have Camara and Ty Montgomery, you don't know who's getting the football. I think Montgomery is going to make a big difference. We've talked about receiving depth just a little bit. And there's a little concern there. But remember, Montgomery was an All-American receiver at Stanford before he made that transition, to running back with the Green Bay Packers. And people forget that he was a fantasy monster mm-hmm. for the Green Bay Packers for yeah. a couple years. Um, Got injured and really just hasn't found his way back yet. But he's a guy I'm just really excited to see how the Saints use him. He's just another guy. You know, Sean Payton loves getting guys that are positionless football players, guys that you can plug and play just about anywhere. You see what he's been able to do with Taysom Hill. Uh, you see over the years with Reggie Bush and Pierre Thomas and Alvin Kamara, uh, you have backs that you can also line up as receivers that that have such sure hands they could play receiver if they were just a little bit bigger, right? Yeah. Uh, Ty Montgomery gives you all that. A guy you can play anywhere on the offense, and trust me, Sean Payton's going to draw some stuff up for this kid. Uh, really excited for him to be in the black and gold and to see what he can do.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for him, especially on the backfield. And also, you talked about how Tom O'Connor was a great fantasy running back. I actually had him on my fantasy team uh, the year that he went off. And he was a guy that just got a ton of touches because he could do so many different things. And that's something that I think the Saints will obviously take advantage of. I think for him, where the Saints could use him most is in the slot, like especially when you want to have Sanders on the outside, and you have obviously Thomas on the outside. You can also then have kind of Montgomery in the slot. He's really good in those short type of routes. His routes are clean, crisp, which is really great to see. He's also got sure hands, something that Traquan Smith doesn't really have. So over the middle of the field, if you know he's going to take a hit, he can definitely do it. And then also, look, he could take some attempts in the running game as well, and he can be a guy that takes some load off of Alvin Kamara, takes some load off of Latavius Murray as well and to me, I do think that him in the backfield, like, again, as you said, you can line him up with Alvin Kamara, you can even add Murray, and then you have kind of time on running like a little uh, jet streak as well, just across the formation, like, to me, you don't know who's getting the ball, like, to me, adding him to this offense is just huge, and again, I like that bold prediction for him to be one of the underrating signings, because I think that he could be a guy that really excels in a Sean Payton offense, but, I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this training camp edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. Thank you, Brendan, for coming on. I had a ton of fun talking about all our different topics. And then definitely tell everybody your social media accounts. Check out his work. Really great stuff. Um, if you don't know, I've been interning at Saints News Network, and Brendan has just been amazing. So definitely check out all his work there.
1: Yeah, you got you guys can follow me uh, right there with the Saints News Network, first and foremost, uh, si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints. We have a, a great crew of writers. We're really excited to get into training camp and into the season. So first and foremost, follow us there, not just me, but John Hendricks, Bob Rose, Kyle T. Mosley, uh, Carla Antoine, just a great group of people. I've been really fortunate to uh, learn and grow with uh, with the network. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BT Boylan. That's at BTB-O-Y-L-A-N. Um, as you, know, you so kindly introduced me, uh, I'm excited to get back to calling some college sports mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you can follow me uh, with the Big South Network on uh, ESPN, all those games available through ESPN+, Plus, uh, ESPN's latest streaming service. So uh, those are the spots you can follow me, but Saints fans for sure could check us out with uh, si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints. And we're just excited to get this season started as you guys are.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming on. And um, look, it's great to always have a guest not hearing me talk for 30, 40 minutes and just to bounce some ideas off someone. Uh, It's really great. It's really exciting with training camp. And definitely, hopefully, we can do another podcast in the future. And I just can't wait to do that again. And hopefully, at that time, we'll have football being played and we'll get to talk about uh, some actual games being played. But I think with all that said... I wanted to say thank you guys for listening, run it back, and hoodat! Da?"